Hello, everyone, and welcome. This is Let's Sleep On It, Reclaiming Parenthood, the podcast. And I'm your host, Taylor Kulik, a sleep and well-being specialist and occupational therapist. My mission with this podcast is to examine the parenting narratives that dominate our culture and grow together as parents. Here, we will talk about biological infant sleep, as well as many other parenting-related topics. And you'll also hear real empowering journeys from parents who are parenting against the grain. I hope that you walk away from each episode feeling inspired, empowered, and supported. Please remember that none of the information shared in this podcast is medical advice, and you should always speak with a trusted healthcare provider if you have any concerns. Let's dive into today's episode. I want to share with you guys one of my all-time favorite companies. I'm passionate about this company. I've been using them for over three years, and they make some of the cleanest and most affordable personal care products for the entire family, personal care and wellness products. So they have herbal remedies and tinctures. They have personal care products. My husband and myself use their deodorant on a daily basis. And most recently, they've launched a home care cleaning line, which we now have transitioned pretty much all of our cleaning products over to their their cleaning products. So we use their cleaning spray and their dishwasher detergent and their laundry detergent and their dishwashing soap. And we have been so impressed with not only the quality and simplicity of their products, but also the affordability and small company, family-owned company experience that we get when we shop with them. So the company is Earthly and they are just phenomenal. You can go shop at earthly.com and earthly is spelled E-A-R-T-H-L-E-Y.com slash R-E-F slash T Kulik. Alternatively, you can thank me for your checkout. Um, Thank you. Thank me for your order in the checkout section. And you can use the code Taylor10 to save 10% off your first order. I hope everyone is having a really good day. Today, we're doing one of those shorter podcast episodes that I chatted about in the last episode. I'm going to kind of rotate for longer, more structured. Um, interview podcast episodes with shorter episodes just sharing my thoughts about something either sleep-related, parenting-related, something random, something fun. We'll see. I think it'll be fun. Um, But today, I want to chat about something very specific related to sleep training. And what that is is that when I share about sleep training – like a post or something and I talk about the potential negatives of sleep training or why maybe sleep training is not ideal – I often get the response, but not all sleep training is cry it out. And I want to kind of unpack that a little bit because this is something that it irks me a little bit, honestly, when I get this because I think it's just so – there's so much to unpack in it. Um, So the first thing I want to do is define sleep training for you because we all have our own definitions of sleep training. And this is a big part of the problem and why there are misunderstandings and miscommunication about this topic. And so I'm going to give you my definition of sleep training. And so just know that when I'm talking about sleep training, this is what I'm talking about. I can't use anybody who's listening. I can't use their specific sleep training definition because I can only use mine. I don't know everybody else's. And so it's important to Um, When you're talking to somebody about this, it's important to define terms and make sure you're on the same page with what you're actually talking about because there can be a lot of confusion when one person is specifically talking about 
letting a baby cry it out with no check-ins, for example, as sleep training. And another person is talking about putting them on a bedtime routine and watching their wake windows and tired cues. That is not sleep training in my opinion, but a lot of people will call it sleep training. So when we're not, we don't have the same definitions to start with. We're just talking at each other and we, we're not really getting anywhere. So here is my definition of sleep training. I also have this um, located in my welcome highlight on my Instagram account if you want to read it. Um, I'm going to just do like a brief summary here. <laughs> my definition is a little bit complex. I think it's a, it's really multifactorial. Um, but basically, when I'm talking about sleep training, I am usually talking about non-responsive sleep training, meaning anything that involves limiting responsiveness to a child. Um, and then, but there's also a little bit more to it. So it can be any technique or any schedule or strategy that is not in alignment with developmental norms and or goals that are not appropriate for the child. And then it can also be any strategies that involve arbitrary rules or time limits in how you can respond to your child because this does not allow for parental intuition and it ignores the individuality of a child. So this is something that is sleep training because you cannot be responsive to your child if you are going with time limits of how you can be responsive to your child. Responsiveness is a dynamic and fluid process that will look differently for every child caregiver um, dyad. And so we can't define responsiveness. And then also I think that anything that just feels wrong to a parent or goes against a parent's intuition is sleep training. And why this matters is that sleep training, something can be sleep training for one baby and one parent, but not another baby child or parent child dyad. Um, if So for example, you might have a parent that is doing kind of like a, like a not really limiting responsive approach. I can't even remember the name of the technique right now. But something where they're like patting the baby in the crib and trying not to pick the baby up and then they're moving away slowly and then going and patting the baby if they need to, but they're trying not to pick the baby up. And that might feel really okay for that parent and maybe that baby is is a pretty easygoing baby and maybe it's not – bothering them so much. Like maybe they're just um, grunting a little bit, moaning a little bit, but they're not really crying. They're not really dysregulated. So maybe that intervention or that method is working for that family. They're feeling confident and good about it. It doesn't go against their intuition. They feel like they're being responsive. That might not be sleep training for that family. Whereas you may have a family who has a baby who is very, very sensitive, very high needs, needs lots of proximity and closeness, and that baby is screaming at the top of their lungs, crying, red in the face, super dysregulated when that parent is not holding them. These are two completely different babies with two completely different temperaments. That might feel really bad for that family, that those parents, and that would be sleep training in my opinion. So you can see how this gets complicated and how sleep training can look different from baby to baby, child to child, even parent to parent, because it really does depend on the child's temperament and their needs and even the parent's ability to self-regulate and their needs. Okay, so now that we've talked about that, um, let's talk about the fact that some people just disagree with the premise of sleep training as a whole. So what is sleep training? At its core, the goal of sleep training is to change a behavior, and that behavior is signaling or crying, needing support at night, but this sleep training does not teach sleep. 
It does not teach sleep. It's not training a child to sleep because sleep is a biological function and that biological function cannot be taught. So some parents just simply do not believe that their child needs to be trained to sleep. Some parents are inherently against sleep training regardless of what methods of non-responsiveness you use, regardless of if there are any non-responsive methods in sleep in the sleep training technique or strategy. Some parents just don't, or some people, it doesn't even have to be a parent, some people just don't agree with the premise of sleep training. For some parents, it doesn't align with their values to try to train their child to stop signaling to them at night or to need less parental support before they are developmentally ready for that change. And it's really, really normal to not want to sleep train. We don't have to justify our choices by saying not all sleep training involves cry it out and that we're only against cry it out as we're often asked to do. Anytime, I mean, ask anybody who's posted about sleep training. It's a really controversial topic. A lot of you know. Without fail, we're we're told this. We're, we are told not all sleep training is cry it out. And it's just ridiculous because we're not even, a lot of us aren't even just talking about cry it out. We're talking about sleep training and its premise at its core that we disagree with. And it's okay to disagree. But let's talk about whether sleep training, some sleep training um, doesn't involve cry it out. Because I also don't agree with that. I really don't buy that. So most forms of sleep training, again, we're going by my definition of sleep training, absolutely involve some amount of limiting responsiveness to a child. A lot of sleep training programs will start out with responsive interventions like environmental modifications, following cues, watching wake windows. Again, those are not things that I consider to be sleep training. Those are just things that are helpful for supporting a child's sleep or helping them optimize their sleep and sleep in the way that they're meant to sleep, which sometimes means waking at night. And actually, a lot of times it means waking at night. But when these strategies inevitably don't get every child sleeping through the night without needing a parent, most sleep training approaches progress to limiting responsiveness in some way. Because remember, the end goal of most sleep training approaches is to have a child sleeping independently. So it is just simply not true that there are sleep training approaches that don't involve cry it out. Now, it may not involve cry it out as in leave a child to cry for however long it takes them to until they fall asleep from exhaustion and their their brain is protecting their body so it shuts down. It may not involve that. It may be timed check-in, check-ins. Um, it might it might look different. A lot of these sleep training techniques are labeled as being gentle because it's instead of letting your baby just cry it out for 30 minutes or how, or an hour or however long it takes, maybe it's two minutes and then five minutes and then 10 minutes. Or maybe you're sitting in a chair by their door instead of leaving the room completely. But if it fits my definition of sleep training, which was, is what I'm talking about here, it's still non-responsive by nature. So most sleep training approaches do involve some form of non-responsiveness. Now, if you had a pretty easygoing baby and you did the first section of that really popular sleep training program, whatever it may be, that just involved following cues and wake windows and changing the environment, and your baby slept through the night on a schedule, whatever, the truth is, is that you have a really easygoing baby and they likely would have been sleeping well pretty soon with, with or without your intervention. You supported their sleep, and now they're sleeping how they are meant to sleep. But most babies 
aren't meant to sleep like that. And so when sleep training, the or not sleep training, when the routines and the wake windows and the schedules don't work for most babies to get them sleeping through the night independently, the next step is some sort of non-responsiveness to teach your baby that you will not be there for them in the night. And that is just the reality of what sleep training is. So many babies are going to continue to wake at night and need support from their parents, even with these responsive interventions. What is so important to understand is that responsive interventions, again, support and optimize a baby's or a child's sleep, but they do not attempt to train a baby out of signaling for their needs. We want babies and children to signal to parents when they have a need, right? That's a good thing. We want that. So a responsive intervention would not try to get a baby to stop signaling for their needs. The challenge is that babies are actually meant to wake at night and also very often need support to get to sleep. So responsive interventions will not prevent a baby from doing what they are designed to do, which is usually in many, many cases, waking and signaling, or in all cases, waking and signaling when there is a need. Now, babies are all different. Children are all different in when they'll be able to sleep through the night and when they won't need support from a caregiver to sleep. It doesn't mean that if you have a six-month-old and you've only used responsive approaches and now they're sleeping through the night, that's not necessarily a problem. You are being responsive to them and that that's fine. You're, you're being responsive to them and they don't need as much support as maybe some other children at that age do. We, so we can't put a timeline on things. We can't say that all you know three-month-olds should be doing this and all six-month-olds should be sleeping like this and this is the age where babies don't need support anymore because it's going to look different for every child. But the thing to understand and know is that if a, inter, in a, an intervention is responsive, it will not prevent a baby from doing what they need to do, which is waking and signaling a need. And many babies are not going to sleep independently without some amount of limiting responsiveness and crying. So to claim that it is always possible to sleep train a baby without crying is just, again, not true. And this is the other kind of comment that I get a lot. So it's it's not all sleep training is cried out. And there are lots of ways to sleep train babies without them crying. Well, again, this is more of a temperament thing. So you may have had a baby who you were able to sleep train and and get sleeping independently without your support, without a lot of crying. But most babies are not going to be okay with this. And they're not going to be trained out of signaling without crying. And so just because it worked for you and your baby doesn't mean it works for every baby. And I think that's what a lot of parents who haven't had more highly sensitive, um, these orchid babies, these spirited babies, they just don't get it. And so they often just feel really defensive when they see or read something from somebody talking about sleep training in a way that doesn't align with what they did and what decisions they made. But you don't have to feel defensive because if you were responsive to your baby, that's all that matters. If you felt good about what you did, that's all that matters. Um, But again, we don't have to – we don't have to caveat our stances, our opinions and say that, well, I'm not – I'm only talking about cry it out because I'm not only talking about cry it out. Again, I'm talking about the premise of sleep training at its core, which I disagree with. So if you chose to sleep train and you feel that was the best decision for your family, that's totally your decision. Another family's choice not to sleep train or even a person's choice to talk about their opinion about sleep training and and, um, talk about their concerns with sleep training is not commentary on your decision. Your decision to sleep train, which I would say most of the people that are commenting 
you know, very defensive of their decision, they actually probably didn't sleep train. They were probably responsive to their baby, but they're just like incorrectly assuming that we're talking about the like following a schedule or watching wake windows and things like that. Um, But your decision to sleep train also doesn't negate the information about what sleep training is and how it works. And it's really, really important that all parents truly understand what sleep training is and what most of these mainstream approaches are actually advocating for in terms of non-responsiveness. Because I can't tell you how many parents I've talked to who have been blindsided by, you know, these, these quote unquote gentle sleep training approaches that they, or strategies or courses that they've um, purchased. And then you know, they go through the wake windows, they go through the routines, and then all of a sudden it's telling them, okay, now it's time to stop responding to your baby in some way, form, shape, or fashion. doesn't always look exactly like that or sound exactly like that. And these parents think, well, this is just the inevitable next step and it's what I have to do. And I've bought a course that says it's gentle and, and, and safe. And so I guess this is just what people do. This is just what parents do with their babies. And it's like my only option to get my baby sleeping independently. And the problem is we don't agree with the premise of sleep training. And in order to understand why, you really have to understand how babies are meant to sleep, which is another podcast episode. I have some, I mean, if you listen to all of my podcast episodes, you'll probably get an idea of how babies are meant to sleep. I have a ton of them about this, Um, but babies are meant to be wakeful and they're not meant to be independent. Again, it's okay if your baby happens to be independent, but just generally speaking, babies are designed for proximity and closeness to their mother, specifically to parents, and that is okay. And it's not something that they can be trained out of. They can only be trained out of knowing that we're there for them, and that isn't something that is ideal. And so, and that's not something that we know from lots and lots of research is in alignment with how babies thrive and how their brain development thrives. And so we always have to question what are the potential consequences of doing something that is not in alignment with how we know babies are meant to be responded to and how they're meant to thrive. So that is all. That's my spiel about, well, not all sleep trainings cry it out. I know, um, but most sleep training is non-responsive. And if it isn't, it's not sleep training. So thanks, guys. I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps our message reach more parents. You can also follow me on Instagram at Taylor Kulik for similar content or visit my website at www.taylorkulik.com. I offer online courses where we really dive into infant and toddler sleep holistically. And we also offer one-to-one holistic sleep support services if you're looking to improve your child's sleep or shift patterns without sleep training. If you know a parent who would benefit from this podcast, please share. And if you'd like to financially support this podcast to allow me to create more episodes more often, you can visit anchor.fm slash Taylor I hope you'll join me next time.